Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 652. Your life is right now. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, George Levy. Hey, George, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Including submarine belts. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to keep it between the rails, and uh, hopefully we won't need those belts on today's journey, but I can assure you we'll have some fun. George Levy is a Boston native whose name rhymes with Chevy. He's a lifelong racing fan, and his first car was a BRE-styled Datsun 510. How cool is that? He owns a number of Shelby Mustangs and lists among his major life achievements as dodging death by the hands of the international drug smuggling cartel while visiting Carol Shelby's home in Mexico while on his honeymoon. I hope we get to hear a little bit more about that, George. George is a former editor of Auto Week and sits on the board of directors of the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. His latest venture is this new book titled Can-Am, 50th Anniversary, and the photography for the book is by Pete Byro, who was yesterday's guest here on Cars Yeah. And one lucky Cars Yeah subscriber is going to win a copy of this fantastic book. It's published by Motorbooks, our friends there. Compliments of George and Pete. So stay tuned to learn how to be eligible to win because you're going to want to get a copy of this book. So, George, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Well, I've been a car enthusiast all my life. Ever since I started playing with slot cars when I was a little kid and building model kits, and my first job out of college was as an editorial assistant at Auto Week. I was lucky enough to become editor by the time I was uh, 27 and uh, just had some amazing experiences with uh, amazing people. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of different things. So was primarily your business in in editing and magazines or did you get your hands involved in a lot of different things? A fair number of things, but basically I shuttled back and forth for a while between uh, editorial at places like Auto Week and, and advertising. Uh, I spent a fair amount of my career making print ads and TV commercials for, I don't know if you remember years ago, there used to be these brightly colored BF Goodrich tires ads and 
a lot of people had posters of, of those ads and oh, my yeah. uh, partner and I did those and I came up with that campaign and uh, done a, a variety of TV commercials over the years, usually for uh, automotive or automotive enthusiast clients. Cool. Awesome. Great. The advertising world. So fun. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, George, take the wheel. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I think the thing that's been my North Star for most of my life is do what you love. Mm. <laughs> I haven't always done that, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. my life has always been better when I have. Well, you've done what you love. So you talk about working in advertising. You you talk about uh, being an editor. And this book that you've done, is this your first book or have you done other books as well? No, uh, Can-Am 50th Anniversary is my first book. Wow. Pretty nice job right out of the chute, my friend. My goodness. This thing is a, a huge undertaking. I mentioned yesterday when I talked to Pete on the show about the size of this thing. It's a huge book. I mean, it's a heavy, heavy book. It's something that you're going to sit on your table and go back to. It's a great reference book as well. So full of a lot of details and, of course, the history of an amazing time in racing and some amazing people. So uh, definitely important to uh, work in your field of passion. That's what Cars yeah is all about. Well, let's go back in time, and I want you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back when you realize that, oh, man, I'm a car guy? Yeah, I was about 10 years old. And I was in the local 5 and 10. And they used to have these uh, rotating racks of paperback books. And one of the paperbacks at my local 5 and 10 was a book called Jim Clark at the Wheel. Mm. And I you know, I had some interest car, in cars at that point. But uh, once I picked up that book and read that, I became an instant uh, Jim Clark fan. And I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> do you still have that? I do. I still have that uh, <laughs> kind of ragged edge, uh, you know, half of the pages uh, falling out uh, yeah. uh, copy of the, the book that I got way back when. And later on, I got a, you know, a, a hardback version in, uh, in decent uh, condition as well. But uh, sure. I still have that book. Oh, fantastic. You know, the first, what I call the real book my parents ever gave me was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which, of course, is by Ian Fleming, who's known for the 007 stories but a lot of people when you say well he wrote chitty chitty bang bang they're like what he did but that was my first real hardbound book it was like a real book you know with more big words in it and stuff and uh yeah i still have that book as well yeah i love the movie my wife rolls her eyes every time i say i want to watch it but uh i think it's great dick van dyke is awesome he's uh he's a funny guy well, George, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career, something that really set up a roadblock for you and caused a crash and burn maybe. But the most important thing about this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you so that you could dust yourself off and move forward? You know, um, I guess there are a number of ups and downs that I could point to. Uh, one of them was uh, driving off the side of a mountain. Okay. Which, by <laughs> the way, I I don't really uh, I don't really encourage. You don't recommend that. Gee, I can't no, imagine no, I, why. <laughs> it's not nearly as much fun as it sounds. No, not unless you've got a full roll cage. So, so tell us about driving off the side of a mountain. Where were you? What happened? What happened before? Afterwards? We got to hear the rest of the story. Well, 
I was at Auto Week at the at the time, and we had we were all budding uh, racers, and you know any opportunity we had to go racing was something that we were going to take advantage of. And uh, a couple of the guys and I got interested in, in pro rally, and we managed to uh, convince our our friends at Volvo to lend us a car, and we put a roll cage in it. And we were running in the production class, and. Uh, I was at a rally in Pennsylvania, the Susquehannock Rally, which was at, at much higher altitudes than uh, I really realized at the time. And about a quarter of the way into the, the rally, I came around to turn. The tail was uh, hanging out uh, pretty good. And I almost made the uh, turn, but not quite. And the, the rear tire went just over the edge of the road. And uh, all of a sudden, we were tumbling through space. Oh, my gosh. And as we were going down the mountain, the uh, it was the weirdest thing because the car is rotating, and I can still see the headlights and the uh, the, the auxiliary lights because when you do pro rally in this country, it's in the middle of the night, and so you have these super powerful lights in the front of the car, right. so you can see you know light up the road. And I can still remember the lights painting circles against the the side oh, of the, oh my the gosh. mountain. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it was actually beautiful. I mean, it was almost like what you do, you know, when you're a kid. And with a flashlight, you know, yeah. With a, yeah, or the twizzler, or the sparklers. You know, those, uh, sparklers, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, obviously, you both survived and uh, crawled out of the car and kind of dusted yourself off and said, well, that wasn't what we planned. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we climbed our way back to the road, and, and we got just about to the road surface. And in rally the cars are let off about a minute apart and just as we were getting up to the road and we're on the outside of the road of course uh we could hear the next car coming mm -hmm. and we both looked at each other and the same thought went through our brain which is you know rally cars are also let off in, in order of uh, the fastest and best down to the slowest and worst right and and we figured well you know what if we were slow enough and dumb enough that we went off the road then the guy who started behind us might be coming off the road <laughs> in the same place. <laughs> and we're not really in the ideal position here on the edge of the uh, the road right. for that to, uh, to happen. And so we immediately scurried back down the road. And sure enough, this guy uh, was even um, deeper over his head than, than we were and went just straight off the turn. I mean, we almost made the exit. But uh, uh, but he was fine. He was fine, too. But it was kind of a funny moment. Ah, uh, rally, man. That's just uh, dancing on the edge of a razor blade. Holy cow. Crazy. Well, while we're on these uh, crazy situation talks here, you've got to give us a little bit about this uh, honeymoon in Mexico with Carol Shelby and the drug cartel. What is that all about? That didn't happen on your honeymoon? Ah, uh, no. No, I was in San Francisco at the Mark Hopkins Hotel in the Honeymoon Suite. Now, there was no Carol Shelby, no drug cartel that I could see anywhere. It was just room service and a nice view of the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. Well, uh, Carol was a, an amazing guy. I don't know if you had a chance to, to meet him or spend any time with him. but Only really briefly. I had a uh, GT350 Shelby Mustang clone, not the real deal, but a clone, and I took my uh, glove box to Laguna Seca the year that he was being presented, and uh, he signed it for me. So uh, that was the extent of my experience with Carol Shelby. Nothing like yours. Well, I mean, Carol was an amazing guy, and he was a real uh, character. And uh, when uh, my ex and I got married, we 
went down to Mexico for our, our honeymoon, and, and Carol uh, called me up at some point and said, well, Georgie, why don't you, I'm going to send my plane over, and uh, you come spend a couple days on my island uh, with me and my buddies. And <laughs> and that sounded like a, a, a pretty good thing, and sure enough, uh, this you know, plane shows up with a, a guy a pilot named Ray Cody, who is a like a legendary Hall of Fame uh, flyer. Did flew in World War II, uh, and then in his uh, old age uh, decided to do pylon racing. Uh, I mean, oh, it's just gosh. an amazing flyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he flies us over to this island, and it's just a, a big sandbar, um, basically. Um, and Carol, and he had a, 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 a friend who was a, a Mexican native, because I think you needed to um, at least somewhat... You, I, I don't think gringos could own uh, a waterfront property uh. at that time. Maybe that's still the case. But, you know, he and his, his friend had this uh, place, and there was just this house. And, and then Carol being Carol, there were a bunch of cattle on there. He decided if there was a big patch of land, you, you ought to try and raise cattle on it, mm-hmm. uh, which hadn't been done down there. And, and we get on the island, and, and when we got off the, the plane, uh, there were some little four-wheelers there, and Carol said, well, you know, uh, why don't you go investigate the island? I think you'll uh, enjoy it. And I went zooming up and down the, the beach in this little uh, uh, four-wheeler and rode to the top of the tallest uh, sand dune and looked out to sea, and then I looked on the, the sort of lee side of the dune to the, the inland side of the dune, and it was you know, probably two or three stories down, and I saw this old faded canvas tarp in roughly the shape of a plane. Hmm. And I'm thinking Amelia Earhart, you know. Looks yeah, like we found her. There for, for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm embarrassed to say, but yeah, that's that's kind of the thought. Or, oh my God, there's going to be this fantastic World War One era, you know, plane down there. And, yeah. uh, I get on the four-wheeler to investigate and uh, drive down there, and it's a... Uh, a plane full of, uh, a very current plane, uh, full of drugs. Oh my uh-oh. gosh. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, uh oh. <laughs> That's when you exit stage left very quickly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, so I get out of there and, you know, there, there even was like a, a little chair and some, potato chip and candy wrappers on the on the ground so you know there was a look out there i don't know what he was doing whether he had just uh disappeared into the the brush when i came around or whether uh he was off duty that day or something but huh. uh you know i i hightailed it back to the house and, uh talked to carl and his friend and and then um, we had to decide whether we thought we would improve our our situation by Calling on the shortwave radio to uh, the mainland and, and talking to the feder the federales, <laughs> the federales, or or whether that would make the situation worse. Right? Yeah. Gee. So, what'd you do? Well, we ended up calling the the federales, and this was late at night by this point. Uh, and and they came. They said, "Well, you know, we can't come tonight, but we'll come in the the morning." So, <laughs> I ended up. Um, uh, Spending the uh, night of my honeymoon with my bride next to me and a Glock nine millimeter pillow, uh, pistol underneath my pillow. Yeah, wondering if you'd uh, uncover something you shouldn't be knowing about, and some visitors were about to come. So, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, like you probably thought at the time, this is a story, honey, we'll be able to tell forever. So, uh, <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> I don't think she's still forgiving me about that. Uh, well, what could you do? You were just there. So, you know, that stuff happens. What can you say? 
Wow. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story, uh, kind of an aha moment in your career. It's a time when you have a new direction, a new path to go down, and maybe share uh, a little bit about how that uh, turned into some success. Well, I think for me, yeah, I, I was very fortunate. I landed a job at Auto Week, uh, fresh out of school, and, and that was kind of my dream job, you know, to, to be there and be the, at the center of everything uh, automotive. And I was very fortunate. I had some great mentors and, and Bob Urban and, and Leon Mandel and, and some other folks, and, and I, I became editor uh, at uh, 27, which was just pretty fantastic. Young. But yeah. also, yeah, but it was also... Uh, you know, a pretty steep uh, hill to climb. And I, I think one of the things that I, I felt was kind of a breakthrough for me or an aha moment was uh, learning how to match people with the task. Mm. And when you're the editor of a magazine, you know, you you realize that it's it's not just about the writer or the story. It's the chemistry of matching the right writer with the right story and some magical things can happen. And, uh, you know, I can think of, a, you know, all the, the best stories that we did when I was there usually were a result of that formula. And one of them was uh, Denise McCluggage, uh, who uh, helped start the, the magazine and one of my greatest uh, uh, influences. Uh, I sent her uh, down to South America to interview Fangio and, it was just she came back and, and wrote a, a terrific uh, story and was became the first uh, woman to win the uh, Ken Purdy Award. Yeah, you know Denise was a guest of mine on Cars. Yeah, back uh, well, it was t- about two years ago, almost to the day. It was in November of 2014. One of my earlier guests, a little over a hundred guests, I guess, we're up to six hundred and. 52 with you and uh what a wonderful lady obviously you got to do more with her spend time with her than i did but um what a special lady and uh oh my gosh you know what your story brings to mind is the book good to great by jim collins where he talks about putting the right people on the bus and putting the right people together in the right seat on the bus and how you run a business and uh sounds like that was very much your challenge yeah, and uh, that was something where once I once I figured that out, uh, I still had a lot of other things to to figure out. But uh, you know, I felt that was really a key that I was able to apply throughout my life to uh, you know try and get uh, more successful outcomes. Absolutely, and I've had a lot of guests on the show here that run huge, huge, even billion dollar companies, and that's something I'll ask them: is how do you do everything you do? And they just say, I surround myself with the best people I can afford, and I let them do their job. But it's a matter of getting the right people who do the right work and can work together with the right other people. So, yes, absolutely. Well, how about Prouder's career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been in this business for a long time, but is there one that stands out for you? You know, it's going to sound really corny, but uh, this book, Can-Am 50th Anniversary, is uh, and the reception it's received is, is probably the, as proud as I've been of, of anything in, in my career. Awesome. Well, it's well-deserved. And for a first effort on a book, oh my gosh, it's a huge undertaking uh, to take up. And I'll let the, again, the listeners know from talking yesterday with Pete, I and mean, this thing is like an inch and a half thick. It's 12 by 10, 14 by 10 roughly in size. It's just filled with all sorts of really cool information. It covers that magical time from 66 to 74 when uh, there was really no rules. I mean, it was just, just bring what you got and race it. So uh, really, really nice job. Great, great work. You should be proud of it for sure. 
Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and a memory you have with that vehicle. Well, it was uh, it was that Datsun 510. That was my first car. And back then, uh, you know, people were just making the, the transition from uh, muscle cars into uh, these uh, small foreign cars that you could throw on a suspension and uh, do a little engine tweaking and uh, and the things were just uh, fast as heck and yeah. we were we didn't know it at the time but we were really the first sports compact kids and, and we had a blast and uh, we uh, would surprise the hell out of a lot of uh, TR6s and GTOs <laughs> and yeah. what have you. Yeah, absolutely. I had Pete Brock on the show and of course, he's known for BRE, of course, and what he did over in uh, Japan with those cars. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see his Dotzilla, which is a uh, Datsun 510 with a, a Chevy Corvette engine in it. Have you ever seen that car? Yeah, and, uh, you know, in fact, Pete's a, a friend. He was uh, one of my uh, big heroes growing up. And, you know, my other special car was after... Starting out with my own 510 and, you know, kind of trying to do the best to make that go fast. I, when I got to Auto Week, I, I remembered seeing his, uh, shop 510, which was called the Screaming Yellow Zonker. <laughs> yeah. And it was <laughs> yeah, I remember in, that. Yeah. And it was featured in Motor Trend. It was just a, you know, sort of the ultimate street, uh, 510. And I remembered having seen an ad in Auto Week. Somebody was selling it like years before. And uh, this was before the internet, and there was no real indexing at Auto Week. And I, one uh, weekend, uh, I went in and just spent hours and hours combing through old issues in the classified ads. And I finally found um, the ad, and I, and I called the number. And, and of course, the car had been sold years before, but the guy remembered who he sold it to. And I, I eventually ended up owning uh, the Zonker. And, uh, no way. And that was, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how how fun is that? Wow. Well, I spent a day with that car, Pete's car, uh, shooting it on a photo shoot. And he also had one of his Daytonas that he dropped off for us to shoot. And uh yeah, what a fun car. He had at SEMA this year, he had a really nice 240Z uh, that he had done that was at the Braille Battery. Uh Gary Savage, who's one of the marketing guys there, he's been a guest on the show here, uh, was there. And uh, Pete was there signing things. So what fun. Yeah, what a great first car. How about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really? Uh oh, <laughs> I'm going to hit a nerve here. I think uh, uh, selling the Zonker. The Zonker, you know, yeah. I, when I was in college, um, Shelby Mustangs had, had just bottomed out. You know, they went from being old cars to people were just starting to say, "Hey, you know, those are actually kind of interesting." And and I had a number of uh, those, and I bought and sold them just to you know to have spending money while I was in uh, in college, and there. <laughs> A bunch of those I, I wish I still had, but oh, yeah. you know, the Zonker had a, a really special place in my heart, and, and I I had it for uh, less than a year, and I didn't really, you know, I was, I was young, and I didn't really have a place to store it here in Detroit, and I knew uh, that I wasn't going to let that car sit outside and, and right. get uh, destroyed by winter, and, and I sold it to a guy and uh, out uh, on the West Coast, and that's probably my, uh, my biggest uh, regret. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry to bring that up. Well, let's move on to funner things. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about this book. Again, it's Can-Am, 
50th anniversary, and the subtitles Flat Out with North America's Greatest Race Series, 1966-74. Tell us about why did you get involved with this project? Uh, maybe a couple uh, stories about putting the whole thing together, making it all work, and, uh, of course, working with Pete Byro. Well, Pete and I have been uh, friends for years, and he uh, was one of the great photographers, as you know from your interview with him. He, he worked for Life Magazine, Sports Illustrated, uh, and, of course, all the, the car magazines. Yeah. And not just as a photographer, but as a writer. You can go back in old issues of Car and Driver and, and see his byline and his, uh, his pictures and some great stories. Well, he found uh, just going through boxes in his garage that he had a, a lot of Can-Am stuff. And he uh, was going to do a, basically a photo book about the, the Can-Am. And he asked me if I would, you know, edit it, you know, edit the captions for him or something. Sure. I was happy to, to do that. And then uh, one day he called me up and he said, well, you know what? I uh, I talked to some people with motorbooks and they'd like to publish the book, but they don't want to do just a photo book. They want there to be a story. Do you want to write the story? And that's how the project started. Wow. Well, obviously you jumped at that chance, but then I would assume once you started getting into it, the, the enormity and complexity of all of this uh, must have been a little bit daunting, especially doing your first book like this. Well, you know, very quickly, you know, Pete and I sat down and we said, okay, you know, we, we want to do a great job. This is the 50th anniversary. And, uh, you know, there have been some books written before about the Can-Am, uh, several really good ones uh, by our friend Pete Lyons. Oh, yeah. And so we said, you know, what can we do that's, that's different, that is, a, uh, you know, additional, that will enhance uh, what's out there rather than just duplicate it. And, um, you know, and one of the things we quickly got to, and I think the key to this book uh, beyond the, the photographs is that, you know, we said to ourselves, it's uh, this was 50 years ago. Everyone who participated was a grown-up at, at the time, so they're at least the people that are still around are in their 70s and 80s. This is really the last opportunity uh, to talk to those folks and capture their stories and their memories. And so, you know, I spent most of the next year just interviewing, trying to find, in some cases, uh, and interviewing uh, 75, 80 of the original uh, participants. And those conversations alone were fantastic life experience. Yeah, wow. Lucky you. Well, it's like me getting to talk to people here on Cars. Yeah, I would love to talk to every one of those people. Maybe you can connect me with them at some point. But uh, some of the old racers I've had on the show, uh, just marvelous stories that they've told. Like I mentioned, Denise McCluggage was such a delight. And Vic Elford. And I've had just numerous race car drivers on the show that have shared some of their life stories. So fantastic. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, George. Kind of a funny question. If you were a car, what kind of car would George be, and why? <laughs> uh, I can tell you the car I'd like to be, which <laughs> would be uh, a Stratos. Oh, yeah, well, but that's not the question. The question is, if you were a car, how would you be personified into a car? We all want to be something cool and sexy and Italian. and But, uh, yeah, how do you perceive yourself as a vehicle? You know, probably as an 85 Chevy celebrity. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Now you're being honest. So what is it about that 85 Chevy celebrity that fits George? Oh, I don't know. I I, I think, uh, I mean, I'm I'm joking about the, the celebrity, but I mean, I, I think, you know, what I, if I were a, a car, it would be something that was not uh, super flashy, but had some uh, uh, 
a big heart and uh, a lot of performance and, uh, and, and something that will go the distance. Sounds good. Well, you answered that very honestly. That's what I was looking for. So, George, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, George, we're back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, the same one I started with, do what you love, which uh, Carol, uh, he believed in that um, just through and through and, and just sort of drilled that into my head. Yeah, very nice to get advice from Carol Shelby, even more special. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there one that you believe has helped contribute to your success? I think whatever success I've had has largely come from uh, curiosity and restlessness. Mm, I like that. Very nice. How about a resource? There's a lot of great resources out there today, but is there one in particular that you could share with us? The resource I probably use more than any other in in doing the books anyway is uh, RacingSportsCars.com. Ah, yes. And for anybody who hasn't uh, used that, I mean, if you ever have a question about who raced what, where, and when, it's not infallible. It's not 100% accurate, but those guys did an amazing job, and it's just a wonderful resource for anyone trying to figure out uh, what and who raced where and at what time. Absolutely. Love that site. It's great. How about a book? Other than this new book that you and uh, Pete have done, Can-Am 50th Anniversary, is there another book that you've read that you think our listeners should crack open and read as well? Uh, My next book. Yeah. (laughs) Now that is a great answer. I like that. Um, What is the next book going to be? Uh, you know, we're not ready to announce it yet, but it's the biography of one of the sport's uh, greatest innovators, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. And uh, okay. it should be out about this time uh, next year. But I'll, I'll mention a couple of books that uh, yeah. people, any gearhead, 
might uh, love. There's one recent book that I think was really well done uh, is A.J. Dames, Go Like Hell. Oh, yeah. That's one of the better racing books, in my opinion, of the, the past 25 years. But also go back in time to a book that was very influential for me that most people didn't even hear about because uh, it was a... Uh, Somebody who went on to be a very successful author, but it was his uh, first book, and uh, it was called Vroom. Uh, oh, Vroom. Was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know the book? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter Manso, yeah. And what he did, this was the late 60s, and he just uh, got a plane ticket, went to Europe, and interviewed the top uh, drivers of the, the day, about a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. And, and he took them... Uh, out of their comfort zone. He didn't just ask them, oh, well, you know, what was your race at, at spa like? You know, you would ask them about politics and art and, and all these different uh, subjects. And it was, just, I think it was one of the, the greatest uh, insights into what made drivers of, of that period tick yeah. uh, of, of anything that you could possibly read. Yeah, great, great to resources. And of course, Go Like Hell by Bomb was, uh, I think that's been like the second most. Uh, suggested book here on cars yeah so it's another great one to have on your shelf well listeners i'll remind you you can find links to all these great resources george has been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyacom slash george levy l-e-v-y rhymes with chevy easy to remember there's another great place on the cars yeah website called guest recommended books where these books and book recommendations from the past 651 guests here on cars yeah it's an awesome resource if you want to find out what car people are reading uh quick easy links to buy those books everyone you just click and it takes you right to amazon to buy the book fantastic resource here at cars yeah all right george we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a real doozy if you could have only one collector car in your garage but don't worry about the cost because christmas is coming and i'm just feeling really generous so i'm gonna buy you whatever you'd like what would that vehicle be and why well now i get to talk about the monstratos again ah yeah okay if you're fortunate enough to be the editor of a car magazine or just an incredibly wealthy person you get to drive uh, a lot of great cars Mm -hmm. and and the Stratos, of all the cars I've driven, Porsches, Ferraris, Corvettes, you, you know, you name it, uh, that car just stood apart as being the most uh, honest, purest uh, expression of uh, four-wheel performance that, uh, that I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah. You picked something pretty darn special. And, of course, that car was designed by Marcello Gandini, which uh, is such an awesome, the guy is such an incredible designer. And I just had Gautam Sen, who is a the most well-known Indian journalist from the country of India. And he's uh, got a book out right now that's a two-volume book all about Marcelo Gandini. And uh, when I was talking to him, I mentioned that I'd taken pictures of Alancia Stratos on the lawn at Pebble Beach, that bright orange, day-glow orange model. Yep. And uh, I also had John Campion as a guest here on the show. He's got an incredible collection of vintage rally cars, including several Lancia Stratos. And he's actually learning, taking a driver's course to learn to vintage rally race those cars. He believes in taking his cars out and getting them dirty. So, uh, oh my gosh. Well, uh, maybe the Italia uh, livery car. Would that be okay for you? You like that one? (laughs) 
you know, I'm really not going to be that picky. I mean, oh, okay. You, you know, you're you're being nice enough to get it for me for okay. Christmas. So, you know, I'm not going to put you through any additional hoops. I think uh, just any any stratos would be just fine. Mark. There you go. Well, uh, we'll get together on uh, Christmas morning and drive that through the woods together and have some fun. This time we're going to keep it on the road, though. We're not going off the side of a cliff or anything like that. So, uh, wow, you picked an awesome car. Well, George, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yell listeners. Is there a parting piece of guidance you might offer our listeners before you drive off down that dirt rally road in your Lancia Stratos? Well, I'm not sure that, you know, I have any greater wisdom than anyone else. But if I had to give anyone a piece of advice, it would probably be that, your life is right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of us make plans and have things in the back of our heads that we'd like to do someday, sometime. Uh, and that's great. And, you know, we, we have to make plans. We have to, you know, set goals. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value in making sure that uh, you have things in the front of your head instead of the back of your head and that you, every day, you try and get closer to your goals. And that's uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, has really helped me achieve uh, things when I've, when I've, the successes that I've had in life and the, the projects that I've been most proud of yeah. uh, are things that I, I went straight at and just believed in and I didn't worry about the competition. I didn't worry about, you know, how much they cost or how much money I was going to make. It's just a, a matter of this is something I want to do and I'm going to put my heart and soul into it and usually it's a pretty good outcome. There you go. Now that is a lot of great wisdom from a guy who said, I didn't really have much to advise people on i think that's excellent your life is right now your life is today get out there and live it what's the best way for our listeners to learn a little bit about you well you know pete and i are, are both on uh on facebook and we have a a page uh for can am 50th anniversary and we have a website that's uh, going to go live soon that's going to have a lot it's going to be a, a hub for a lot of great golden era uh, racing information, some of the interviews that uh, we've done. And, you know, one of the things that is the sort of bittersweet part of doing a, a project like Canyon 50th Anniversary is that, you know, once we started the project, you know, Pete and I at one point, we turned to each other and go, you know what, we're talking to 75, 80 people. They're all in their 70s or, or older. Not all of them are going to be around when uh, when the book comes out. And, and we've lost some you know, great people like Chris Amon and, and Tony A to Z and uh, Tyler Alexander. And, and so, you know, a lot of that content is, is going to be on our new website. And, and awesome. We'll, people, people can find it through our Facebook page. Well, and make sure you let me know. Shoot me an email when you have it. I'll make sure I update your show notes page here at Cars Yes so that my followers and listeners can find it. And I'll make sure that I put it out there on all the social media. The Cars Yeah hangs out on, including uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, of course. Well, George... Oh, by the way, before I forget, again, another reminder for you listeners, uh, George and Pete have been so kind to give away one of these books. I might even be able to finagle two. I'm going to have to talk to my friends over there at Motor Books, but we're going to give away one of these great K&M 50th anniversary books to one lucky Cars yeah subscriber. So go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button. I'll send you my filler-up book, which is kind of fun for free. It's an ebook, and your name will be in the hat, and we'll draw a winner. That'll be a lot of fun. George, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yell listeners. Until I talk to you again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, it's been great. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. 
Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!